To the Mary Mac Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. my warriors. This is Mary Mack of the Mary Mack show. I'm in the throes of a wonderful series called death by fentanyl. Well, I don't know how great it is, but it's needed and necessary. And it's a very important topic that people really need to know about. And I've been asking the wonderful people who have become advocates for this to come on and speak about their children who died, most of them suddenly from a counterfeit, illegal form of fentanyl that is crossing our Mexican border and coming into our country. It is said that there is now enough fentanyl in the United States to kill every one of us. And I find that shocking. And I would like our politicians to step up to the plate and do more about this. But today, I have the honor of being with Ed Kobilis. He lives in New Jersey. His son, Eddie, was taken from us by fentanyl poisoning on July 4th of all days, 2018. Eddie was 20 years old. His wife, Marianne, and their daughter, Michelle, survives Eddie, as well as their dog, Sam. And so I thank you, Ed, so much for taking the time today to be with us and to share your story about Eddie, your family, your grief, and your advocacy. So would you please tell us about Eddie's growing up years? Uh, yeah, um, well, I have two kids, um, my daughter, Michelle, and uh, Eddie, there was six years a difference in, in age so there was never any sibling rivalry or anything but um eddie was just an average kid uh he, i coached him in little league he played pop warner football um he was just you know it was funny because he played middle school football at 118 pounds he was as tough as tough as nails um, Eddie always, he, from the time he was 15 years old, he was always independent. Um, he had a job. His first job, uh, was at a, a batting cage place, a sports complex in town. He worked delivering pizzas. 
uh, he helped his buddy out in his painting business. And the last job that he had was he worked in a, in a, in a local restaurant. Uh, Eddie, like I said, was a skinny kid. Uh, he actually got perfect attendance awards in school. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, smart kid, a good student, wasn't crazy about school. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he had graduated you know, his senior year and wasn't quite sure what he knew what he wanted to do. So he attended Middlesex County College for a couple of years, wasn't crazy about it. Then he decided he wanted to be an electrician. So in the spring of 2018, he had graduated uh, from electrician school. And, you know, Eddie, like like me and, and most of my family, you know, very sports oriented he would go to the gym every day. And, you know, his schedule when he was in electric electrician school, he would go to school from 10 to 2, come home, uh, go to the gym for a couple hours, get back home, eat dinner, and then he'd work in a restaurant. So he was good. He, uh, you know, he would give me every other paycheck, you know, to put oh, in a wow. bank for him. Oh, he was a saver. He was saving up money uh, for a car. And, you know, I look back now to the spring of 2018, and I remember I used to think to myself, wow, my life is so wonderful. My daughter was engaged to get married the following year. Eddie had just graduated from electrician school and uh, my wife and I were close to retirement and uh, everything was was wonderful. Um, previous to that, like most people, I've we've had some tragedies in life. Um, my mom was in a car accident. Um, she was killed. Aww. And then shortly, that was a couple of years before uh, 2018. Then my dad passed away a year later. And then my one brother was involved in a real bad house fire. Aww. And he was burned over half his body. And I remember at the time saying to Marianne, you know, I'm I'm tougher than I thought I was. Uh, the only thing that would kill me is if something happened to Eddie or Michelle. Oh, my gosh. So fast forward to the evening of July 3rd, 2018. It was about five o'clock. I heard Eddie's car door slam. He was just getting back from the gym. And I remember looking outside thinking to myself, wow, that's my son. How proud I was of him. He came in the house, um, exchanged a couple of words. Mariana and his restaurant was closed that week. So he finally had a week off because all he ever did was really work. You know, he didn't have much time to you know, hang out or or get into trouble. And, you know, after an exchange of words, he went downstairs and, you know, the kids today, like, you know, when we were growing up, your parents would always be telling you to turn the music down. They knew when you were home, right? <laughs> today they all have the headphones. Yes. So we were having people over the next day on the 4th of July. And uh, I went to bed early, you know, around 10 o'clock or so. And, and I thought Eddie had gone out. Well, he never made it out of the house that night. Um, the next morning, I went downstairs. I ran out of coffee and I looked over and I saw his light on. I thought, well, he left, you know, why did he leave the light on? And I that's when I found him. Um, face down on the floor. And that was the morning of July 4th. And and the rest is just the blurred uh, memory of it. 
Um, it wasn't too long after that I found out what he thought was a single pill um, was in fact fentanyl. And when I got the results back, there was enough fentanyl to, to kill him five times over. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, boy, I, you know, I look back now, you know, you have the initial shock. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't fix this. You know, if your house burns down, awful, right? right? But you build a new house. If you crash your car, you get your car fixed. If you lose your job, you get. And I kept thinking, how do I? Because I mean, you're not thinking rationally at the time. Sure. How do you fix this, right? And, and most uh, men, you, you and that's can. what most men want to do. They want yeah. to fix things. Yeah. And I went through a period where I, I literally couldn't watch TV for weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, because everything else in life was so trivial at that point. Uh, my son's gone. Nothing else matters in the entire world. I went two years without listening to music because mm -hmm. I always associated music with being happy. And it, it definitely takes, uh, you know, it, it takes its toll. And right from the get-go, you, know, you have choices to make. Uh, I, I know, you know, quite a few grieving parents um, they go downhill after that. Yes. Um, the marriages can be yes. affected. Yes. Your health. So at that point, I had a choice to make. Do I just, you know, close up and just rot away and just mourn? And, and I thought, well, what would Eddie want? So I continued what I usually do. You know, go to the gym every day, work out, try to eat right. And, uh, Boy, you know, I look back now and, and I don't know how uh, I got through it. I mean, what helped for me is, you know, I, I've always prayed. Um, and I just I just asked him, I said, I, I can't do this on my own. I just can't comfort me and guide me. And it wasn't long after that I came in contact with this guy, Michael Gray, who had lost his daughter, Amanda, in a similar way. Mm -hmm. And... That's how we got involved in, in the advocacy part of it. And, uh, you know, you interviewed Michael. I mean, Michael is you know, the founder of, of our group. And there's no one in the country that has more knowledge about the crisis than him. So I, I thank him. And Mike's my buddy. And, you know, I, I just can't thank him enough. He spoke a lot about um, Amanda and how he grieves for her and his ability to he used the word yes. You know, he talks about how he allowed himself to say yes to what had happened. You know, not that he, you know, accepted it, you know, from my perspective, um, having lost Angela to murder, I couldn't use the word accept. I could use the word acknowledge, you know, mm -hmm. that felt better to me. I can acknowledge that this has occurred. I don't like it, you know, um, but he talked about something similar in the response of, I had to say yes to what was going on in my life. Otherwise I couldn't function. Cause if I said no, I would have went down that path that you just spoke about, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, the bitterness, the oh, yeah. anger, the, you know, all that, that comes along with losing somebody so close to you, especially in a violent manner and in a sudden manner. And so yeah, and, I mean, I totally understand. In, in in Eddie's case, 
what made it really tough is, you know, he's a skinny kid in high school, had acne. And then when the time he, I guess around 17, 18 or so, towards the end of high school, he started going to the gym. No more acne. He he built himself up, you know, from 118 pounds to this muscular 160, 170 pound kid, feeling good about himself. He was just blossoming into this really good, cool young man, and uh, and then it then it happened. And uh, boy, I just, you know I've come a long way since then. Uh, you know, I I had a good therapist for the first year and a half and, and and basically what she did is she listened and she was very helpful and i'm glad right. that i did that yeah you know because there's a lot of guys out there wouldn't even consider something like that like my totally wife totally agree went, with that went, yeah my, my wife never oh no no you know she's got a couple of good friends which she does but i chose that route and i'm thankful that i did yeah, I, I think that's very admirable because most men, they stuff everything down. It'll come back to haunt them later. You know, they well, might go down the roller coaster and then, yeah. you know, because they've stuffed it down and then it's got to come out and it'll come out, you know, comes. I always say that grief comes to bite you in the butt when the next thing happens. So if you right. have another major event happen, everything comes and cascades in you know, and it's tough. It's hard for men. You know, it's hard to well, express I, yourself. And, and yeah. And even in advocacy work, there's very few men. Yes. Like, you know, 93% of our members on our Facebook page are women. Yes. And it's in, it's unusual to where, where men do get involved, but yeah. we're, we're, we're thankful that, that they are, you mm -hmm. know, people like Michael and Jaime and, you know, they've been, you know, Steve Filson from Cal. There's a whole California crew out there. Yes. Very, very active. You, you know, some of them. And Jim and, Brown. Uh, a lot of good work. Jim Brown. Yeah. yeah. He's out of, I think, Ohio still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. Um, women are definitely the majority of the bereaved community and the advocacy community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I admire that you did take that, you know, take that counseling to heart and went for it. Yeah. And what makes this crisis so unique, you know, we've always had a drug problem in this, in this country. Um, and, you know, up through 2013, if you look at the rate of drug deaths, and I'm sure Michael touched on this. Mm-hmm. There was a slight increase each year, but it was basically linear. And the, and the increase was due to population growth. You have more people, you're going to have more of anything, right? And then with um, the introduction of uh, Chinese fentanyl around 2013, 2014, we first saw a slight uptick in heroin deaths. And then right around 15, 16 or so, they started collaborating with these cartels and they said, hey, we, we got a, a better idea. We're going to mass produce these counterfeit pills by the millions. Fake Oxys, fake Xanax, fake Percocet. Um, they started putting in anything. There's been fentanyl deaths, cocaine fentanyl deaths um, recently because they know it's a, it's a very highly addictive drug. 
uh, you know, get people hooked, you have return business. And people often ask me, well, why would the dealers want to kill their client? They don't care. In a lot of cases, these dealers don't know that there's a certain percentage of these pills that they get are lethal. They just get a bag of a thousand pills and they just sell them. So, so that in a lot of cases, the dealers don't even know. Mm, interesting. And what's happening is these cartels are making mass producing these pills in these cl small clandestine labs in, in Mexico. There's no quality control. It's not like this is um, Merck or, you know, one of the Johnson and Johnson making pills. Uh, they just they just don't have the same quality control and the ability and. And and that and that's the thing that's 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 killing kids right now. And you know it's different than when we were growing up. You know, for me, I remember the seventies and eighties. You go to a party, right? Um, there was always alcohol around. Pot was around, of course. Every once in a while, someone would show up with some cocaine. But today, it's different. This is a pill generation. These a lot of these kids are used to taking pills. You know, they might start taking Adderall at 11, 12 years old. Yeah. So it's acceptable now. And they go to these parties, they walk in and they just, that's what they do. You know, and you have a couple of drinks, you know, your judgment isn't the same. Someone says, oh, yeah, try one of these. And uh, that's what we're focused on today, especially are these kids that are first time users, recreational users, and some just using for, you know, medicinal purposes for, for pain. Um, there's a woman I met about four years ago whose son, Jared Rome, was uh, a, an Olympic discus thrower, six foot five, 280 pounds. You may have heard of him. He later became a, a track and field coach at a, at a school at college out in Washington. And, you know, he had his share of injuries over the years. And I think he was in his mid to late 30s at the time. And he got a Percocet from someone for pain. And it killed him. 280 pound guy. And, that, that's, and that's what's going on now. You know, it's this deception that makes this crisis different than anything we've ever seen in this country before. And and you could see by looking at the death, you know, chart that right when you know fentanyl came in, it's just spiked up and it's increased. Last year, I think the numbers just came out this year around 109, 110,000. And a lot of these, and I don't even think they're accurate. I think the numbers are much higher than that. But it's been a steady increase over the last you know, six or seven, eight, eight years or so. Well, I know for a fact that fentanyl deaths have wildly surpassed the murder rate in the United States. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was high at the point at that point. But now when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of children, children um, dying from one pill one time, and they just don't have the knowledge or the clue that this is an issue, that this is something serious. Well, it's hard to believe that, you know, a, a, a big, strong 17 or 22 year old boy can even fathom that a single pill With could kill them. You know, yeah. I remember stories, and I'm sure you remember these stories growing up, and usually it's still some Hollywood actress, high profile, right? would swallow an entire bottle of pills, entire yeah, bottle. Right. She'd go to the hospital, they pump her stomach, the next right. day she go. Yes. We're living, I'm hearing stories of kids dying from half a pill now. It's crazy. Yes. 
And so, they, they took the half a pill because they figured, oh, well, this is more conservative. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't need all of it. But they have no idea if it's completely fentanyl or if the, the side of the pill they took had more fentanyl than the other it, side. It, they couldn't exactly. possibly know. Exactly. Yeah. But what, what bothers me the most is that they make them in all the different like pastel colors. So it looks like oh, having sweet tarts. Yeah. You know how it looks like sweet tarts? Yeah. Well, and, and it's becoming more attractive. I mean, yeah. stories now with 12 years old, 13 years old. I mean, these kids are they're babies. Yes. Yes. Ugh. I spoke to Amy Neville. Her son was 13. That's crazy. And then you look at the political side of everything and people just do not want to budge on this. I don't know what the issue is. Um, I'd like to believe that none of them are involved in this whole thing in the background. Um, but we have to put that out there because we've heard of that before. Well, even our relationship with China and I, <laughs> I try not to get into the politics too much, but but they made it clear that they want to be the number one superpower in the world. Yes. And um, they are the architect of the fentanyl crisis. They made a decision in 2013 that they're going to start sending this synthetic, powerful killer drug over here to, to kill Americans. And it's funny because they, they only singled out two countries, America and Canada. They weren't sending it to Russia right. or any any uh, Asian countries. So it was a purposeful act on their part. And uh, I just don't see any pushback from the administration. Um, when are they going to call out China? Mm -hmm. I mean, why haven't they taken this to the United Nations? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and that's it's upsetting and it's upsetting to a lot of uh, our members and it should be. Absolutely. I find that when you think about it, they're intentionally killing all the military age people right. in our country yeah. so that even if something did happen, we wouldn't have anybody to, you know, to, to defend us. Well, to put it in the perspective, the Vietnam War, I guess, started what, mid 60s or so through, I think it was 75 or 76. Mm -hmm. So you, you're talking, what, 10, 12 years of a, of a war, of a major conflict. We lost right. 56,000 lives. Yeah. Right. And last year, there were 109,000 deaths and over 70,000 were fentanyl related. So you figure almost 70%, you know, had to do with, with fentanyl. So, so more deaths in one year than we had in 12 years of Vietnam. You know, everyone should be alarmed about that. Right. And they're not. And I no. think, I, but I have to say, I think the incredible advocacy of you and so many other bereaved parents is what's going to change the tide. And that's what we have to get out there. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast series, because more people really have to understand the background of this. This is a lot deeper than um, a person. It's a lot deeper than a group of people. This is intentional 
it's intentionally trying to murder a whole segment of our population. Um, it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't believe could happen to you. And that's the other thing. We have so many families who are like, we don't have any drug addicts in our family. My kids are never a drug addict. No, they're not. Most of the people who died were not drug addicts, you know, in the, in the fentanyl advocacy groups. It was yeah, and, a child. And, and, Go ahead. Yeah, and when we were dealing with high school kids, even college kids, um, they, they try things. Yeah. They experiment. And, you know, in the old days, you didn't die from mistake. And, and, and today you do. I mean, you know, you could try something one time and, and, and that's it. You know, the parents get that phone call and, and, and there's, there are no do-overs anymore. You know, kids are not learning from their mistakes now. They're dying from them. And, and that's a real problem. That's a really good line. It's very true. Very true. I say um, the days of experimental drug use are over. Oh, definitely over. And, you know, we try to tell people unless that pharmacist hand you that prescription bottle. You don't you don't take anything from anyone. You, you just can't. It's not worth the risk right now. You're basically playing Russian roulette with your life. So that's very true because, yeah. um, you know, and if somebody at a party gives you something, you have no idea where they got it from and you don't know what's in it. You know, no, 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 you don't. Wow. Tell me how you're doing now. Um, well, you know, everyone grieves differently. You have the different stages and I don't think they're necessarily sequential, right? No, 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 no. They're all over no, the place. But I'm pretty much at that, you know, I think there's an, what's, where's the acceptance stage? That's around six or so, or. I, no, I, that's kind seven. of at the end. <laughs> that's kind of at the end. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much there, but I'll bounce around every now and then. And, and you know, what? it's funny and I think it was a subconscious thing that I picked up a couple of years ago. I think about Eddie dozens of times every single day. Um, but I don't let my thoughts go more than just a few seconds and I just shut it down. It still hurts to go back there. Sure. So it's not that I'm in denial at all. It's just that, I've done all that morning. Yes. You know, and I start thinking on, on too deep of a level. I go back there and I don't want to go back there. You know, I, I'm trying to move on if that's possible. Um, I have a great wife, great daughters, awesome friends. And, you know, it, it's all it's always with me. But I've you know, I, I've been fortunate, you know, with, with the, the good support base and and not a lot of people have i've been blessed and, and and more than anything i thank god because right from the get-go i said you know what i can't do it on my own um you you gotta help me you, right. if you if you could comfort me and guide me and that's when this whole you know i met michael and this whole advocacy thing just just came to me right and you know we've been um i've testified you know, in front of Congress at Washington with Mike. Um, I've been on Fox uh, News. 
we met the previous drug czar. You know, we spent two hours in his office. Uh, you know, so, you know, we've done, we've, I found that we've made a lot of progress and that's because of like all these fighting moms out there. And, you know, if you look at it, you know, three years ago, it wasn't mentioned much, but now you can't turn on like, like let's say Fox news. Yep. There's not an hour that goes by where they don't talk about fentanyl. They don't talk about the border. They're warning people and, and they they basically lay out the crisis. So, so we've made a lot of progress. And I, and I think that most people know about it now. So the message has got, gotten out there. Because of all of your work. Yeah, all I think your so. Work, yeah. all, consistent work over all these years. Yeah. And and you mentioned and we're aware that in a few weeks time, um, we're going to have a huge rally in gonna be big, yeah. Uh, Washington, DC. Talk more about that. Yeah, this is um Lost Faces of, of Fentanyl. Um it's a group um Virginia Krieger and uh April Babcock. That's their group. And they started this um last year. And you know, it's basically all about awareness, and they've done a great job with you know a lot of the you've seen the you know the profile posters the pictures of all the kids and now we had we have that mu museum yeah at the, the dea yeah and uh i actually visited that last year and for some reason i i didn't think eddie was in there because i didn't remember whether i sent april the picture or anything and i'm looking around looking around and and, and all of a sudden you know I, I saw him and it was like oh it was oh, really that was intense yeah, you know, it, it, it really hit me. So, you know, I, you know, Derek Maltz is going to be speaking at the rally. Um, the number of, you know, high profile people. You know, so, so, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And it's, it's, it's nice, you know, seeing a lot of the parents who's been in this, you know, for the last, you know, four or five years or so. And, and, you know, when you're recently, grieving parents, you know, who are at a much more a vulnerable yeah. stage. And, uh, you know, I feel like a, like a veteran now, you know, someone that's been playing <laughs> baseball, like, you know, like for six, five or six years or whatever. But uh, yeah, so, it, it, you know, it, it, it's it's always good, you know, getting everyone together and you know, we're all on the same page and we all have the same purpose, you know, just getting that word out there. And I think by and large, we've been successful, but we're just going to keep pushing and this rally is going to get bigger and bigger each year. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's been, it's been a success. So. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Oh, I know it's going to be really good and, and people, you know, need to know about it and we'll keep pushing so that they do know about it. Yeah. You know? So do you, um, do you go to different events and speak about this? Like, do you go to high schools and things like that? Yeah, what well, I haven't gone to any high schools. I know uh, Jaime and Steve Filson. I mean, they, they've been doing they've been doing a great job of going to the schools. Um, basically, what I do is I there's a you know there's probably a half a dozen to a dozen different groups throughout the country. And uh, I, I I speak at different things. Appalled is one of the groups. A P A L D 
day. I'm not sure. I don't remember what the acronym is for, <laughs> but it sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I recently spoke at a rally there, you know, a, a couple of months ago. Isn't that, I, I think that's Diane Urban's group. Yes. Exactly. It's Diane's group. That's right. It's Diane's group. So I represent New Jersey and, um, you oh, know, I, I speak about that every year. So, yeah. Have you gotten yeah. any, have you gotten any like um, New Jersey politicians involved? Have they been, you know, interested or has it been difficult? Well, New Jersey's sort of a blue state, right? Yeah, so, I know. <laughs> um, ugh, I don't really want to go there, but okay. when Mike and I were visiting uh, Congress, uh, the one guy that I was disappointed in was Frank Pallone, who's my congressman. Uh-huh. And um, I was just, you know, we approached him and I was just very disappointed in his reaction. I'll just leave it at that. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And isn't there um, Senator Chris, is it Connor or I forget his name. I saw him, uh, you know, grilling somebody in a, a congressional hearing, you know, about. Okay. This. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Chris Smith, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it is Smith. Yeah. yeah. But that was pretty interesting. But he, I never got the impression that he was. It was all grandstanding. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Right. You know, that's not helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, what would what I want right now is the president to get up and just, you know, just have a chat with the American people. It could be 15 minutes long and, and just express what's going on now with this fentanyl crisis and what the administration's plans are. But, you know, he, two years in office and he, he didn't mention the word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and like I said, that that's, that's really disappointed me and, and, and all of our members. I mean, I, I don't think they're, they're not, they're not doing anything. And that's the, that's the bottom line. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I don't think anything is going to be done um, until there's a change in the administration. I think that we're in a holding pattern right now. And they have they have other issues that are higher priority. Um, climate change, the whole green energy thing. Mm -hmm. um, that last bill that was passed, $380 billion it was towards green energy. And there was nothing for the border or fentanyl awareness. Um, and that, that's got to change, you know, and hopefully it does at some point. No. So in the meantime, it's, it's just a big, uh, grand grassroots effort on hundreds or thousands of, you know, our members and other groups members. And we, we just keep fighting to get the word out. Absolutely. And that's where we're at. And, and that's really important because at some point, um, all those moms and dads who think it can't happen in their home or in their backyard, um, they're going to lose somebody in their circle of influence. Somebody is going to die. Well, you had uh, Robert De Niro's right. was it his grandson, grandson, grandson recently. And, you know, I always, and of course, he's going through the same pain that any grieving parent 
her grandparent goes through. But that's the type of person that can step up because yeah. of his high profile and really make a difference. Yeah, and, I, I you know, agree. And it wouldn't it be nice if he could, right? He could. He could. And I was reading recently that Prince supposedly died from fentanyl poisoning. I never knew that. Nobody Who? ever talked to Prince, the, you know, the performer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what happens never a never talked too. about it. Well, there was just one today that I saw. I don't remember whether it was an actor. It was some, but when you read it, you know, cause of death, uh, automatically you go there. But what happens a lot of times is, you know, anyone or especially a high profile person dies. It takes a long time to get the uh, toxicology report back. Right. It could take months. So by that time, it's kind of like old news. Do you know what I'm saying? So that you don't always know me. It kind of like trickles out and then all at once, you know, months later, it's, oh, yeah, they found fentanyl in his, you know. So, I mean, you see that a lot. Yeah. Well, let's hope that some of these uh, more high profile people would come forward and would make it known how difficult and how deadly this is. Um, I'm sure they never thought that their grandson would be involved with this, you know, but he, he obviously bought, I think it was laced in cocaine for him, you know, and he obviously bought from the wrong place and there were not. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. It's scary. Can you imagine dying from a line of cocaine? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's certain, you know, it, that was really unfathomable. It, I know, know, because ever. the, the no era that we grew up, right? When yeah. we grew up, it was like, you know, people would go out drinking and dancing on the weekends and go back home and do that. And, yeah. you know, I I could never get into that because I'm just, my body's very sensitive to anything that's not medicine. And even when I do take regular medicine, that's, that's I have true. reactions. So I knew that I couldn't go there. I was, I yeah. had all kinds of medications like penicillin and sulfur and codeine and all those things I can't take. So I, you know, going into high school and college, I was like, nah, I'm not interested in adverse reaction. Right. But I see tons of people doing that. And in college, even some after high school football games at night, you know? Well, I, it was maybe two. It was, I think it was around the September of 2021. There were those two freshman um, girls, right? So what were freshmen, 18, 19 years old? Yeah. That got their hands, I don't probably studying for an exam and got their hands on uh, um, what they thought was Adderall. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And it killed them. Adderall. I mean, which in in essence is, is, is a stimulant, right? Right. It's to keep you awake. I, yeah. And it, it, it's just senseless. It really is. But, you know, can you imagine those parents getting that phone call? No. I mean, did they really do anything wrong? So. They had no idea. Yeah. And, 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 and that's it, like, I said, yeah, it's a deception part. that makes it, you know, so, so awful. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and just like you said, it's one and done. You can't come back from it and you don't know when that might be. And you don't know what pill would, 
will cause that, you know? No, no, you, no, you don't. No, you don't. But we have to keep getting the word out. Like you said, you know, Ed, this is a very weird world we live in now, isn't it? It's scary. And, um, I, I, I just can't, I imagine these parents with with kids that are going into their teenage years. I mean, you have the issues with social media, right? And yeah. and you know what is what do kids do? What do kids do when they're in their teens or in your twenties? What are, on the weekend they're they're going to these parties, right? That's what that's what I did when I was a kid. Things haven't changed, right? And you go to these parties, and it, you know you have people there. Um. That you know, they get their hands on these pills, and you know, you you just have to say no. I mean, you just can't. It's not worth the risk. You know, you you're not talking about a, a one in a thousand thing anymore. You know, there could be a batch of fifty pills, and and a dozen of them could be could be lethal. You know, so would you take a twenty five percent? You know, twenty five percent of the kids. You know, those aren't good odds. No. So. Not at all. Yeah. And I and I and and I guess because the age is getting less and less and less, you know, with you know, 12 to 15 year olds getting involved in this kind of stuff, and they're just children, they're babies, you yeah. know what I mean? And and they're just starting out. It's Yeah, their brain isn't nearly developed. That's that's the bottom line. You know, like you yeah. said, they're 12 or 15 year old kids. You know, I look back when I was that age. I mean, not really with drugs, but I've done I did so many dumb things. You know, it's like, how much, you know. Yeah. But, you know, that's what kids do. It was the beginning of puberty. It was the beginning of your first crush you know, yeah. all those years. And you wanted to look the best you could. And you wanted to you know, have the most confidence that you could. Sure. And fortunately, you know, taking a drug to build your confidence, it's not unheard of, you know? And, but let's touch on social media for a little bit, because this okay. is a big, um, they play a big part in this, especially Snapchat, Snapchat. And yeah. <clears throat> For those who may not be aware, Snapchat is the kind of social media platform where you um, you put something on, you write a post, and then within a, a very short period of time, it just disappears. And so there's, right. it's no, whole, there's it's, no tracing it. Right. Its whole business model is based on anonymity. Ah, okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I look at it's it's a a drug dealer's best friend let's put it that way um and that's a real issue and they've said that they've made some change but they really haven't because they're like i said their entire business model is based on that um and there are uh matt i believe matt uh capilouto yes do you know matt yes that's where drug induced homicide yeah, that's where his his daughter just bought a pill, and and they they'll deliver it to your house or, um, yeah, it's just like a this marketplace for drugs. 
you know it's it's a criminal's best friend really in essence um and it's it's more than just drugs i mean it's you know different kinds of trafficking you know sex child um you know it's just it's just open season for that that kind of stuff it's a problem major problem i guess we're living in an age where there's so little morality. It's not like when we were growing up, we, you know, we weren't afraid to go out and be outside until the lights came on. Yeah. We, you know, we knew our boundaries, you know, some of us got whooped if we didn't know our boundaries. right. (laughs) Right. And we knew how to be a part of a family and we didn't, um, you know, these people who are pushing all these drugs for the sheer um, financial gain of it and have no regard for what it does to another person. That's psychotic, you know? Yeah, Yeah, it is. And, And, you know, especially with, you know, drug dealers always sort of had that attitude, but the, car, the Mexican cartels have taken this to another level. They are just totally vicious, um, brutal. I, you know, some of the, the killings that they do. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, they're just—I mean, they're just cutting out organs and decapitating people and hanging their torsos from bridges, and 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 they're heavily armed too. Mm-hmm. You know, they're walking around with uh, AR-15s or AK-47s, you know, it's, it's, and they're becoming more and more powerful, uh, you know, between the, I don't know if you saw the uh, Sound of Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. Sound very of good Freedom. Movie. You know, that's, I, that's, I want to see right. this. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah, see very good. You saw it? Yeah, very good movie. Yeah, and that, that's another Everyone tells me it is. Very good. Very good. And I recently saw a documentary, I believe it was on Dex, uh, Netflix. Okay. Um, organ trafficking. Oh, yeah. The cartels are involved in that now. And they're actually capturing live young people and cutting their live organs out. <laughs> if you can imagine that. And then, of course, the the person would would die shortly after. But yeah, you know, you have the sex trafficking, the fentanyl, um, the organ trafficking now, the child trafficking. The, yeah, yeah, it's child trafficking. Yeah, so I have to say that I I give Mel Gibson and James Caviezel. Cav- I always pron- mispronounce his name, Caviezel. Oh. Caviezel. Right. Jim Caviezel. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He used to be in that show, Point of Interest. It was okay. a long running TV show. And during COVID, my David and I, we we watched that. It was a long, it was, I think it was like 10 seasons. I mean, we just, we plowed through that. That was our nightly, you know, di- went with dinner, um, you know, during COVID. Because what else were you going to do, right? And, <laughs> and um those two have really taken this to a completely different level. And now they're talking about getting together with Mark Wahlberg and going out to um, Nevada and creating a whole new 
Hollywood out there, one that's based on um, morals and, you know, that's doing interesting. the right thing. I think that is phenomenal. It'll yeah. Give, it'll give California a run for their money. And and I hope that they do that because well, there's so many people. It makes a lot of economic sense because there has been a flight out of California. Absolutely. You, know, from the start. you see a lot of people going to Texas now, Florida. Right. So, but yeah, what I, I but what that. I like about it is um, their um, their morality, you know, their spirituality. They're trying to do the right thing by people, you know, and that's what I like about it. And they'll be making movies that really matter and that people want to see, and not all this Disney nonsense and you know all this bang them up, shoot them up stuff. I mean tell a story that's real right. and that's what sound of freedom was right yeah because i think they, that was a fairly low budget movie too and they had a lot of it's because that got involved in politics too did, oh, you, yeah. see, you, you, did you see the movie not yet and the I reason i haven't political about it oh hmm? okay the reason i haven't is because i have a very sensitive soul and if i see something like that it stays with me for a long time so Ooh, i have okay. i have to be careful and um, the reason it turned into politics is because Disney had bought that the rights to that movie for three hundred million and then stashed it away. Okay. So when they finally, yeah, so they didn't want to show it. So when it. Um, they finally got it back and started to show it, the movie theaters were in cahoots with um, Hollywood and they were playing games about whether the film didn't work, whether they, uh, they sold all the tickets, but then when the people would go in to look in the theater, it was empty. So there's a lot of nonsense going on. And um, so they just kept saying, no problem. We'll do it a different way. We'll pay it forward. So there are people who said, sure, I'll pay five tickets okay. for people who can't go to it. And that's how they did it. They did it with paying forward the tickets. And I thought that was a phenomenal, phenomenal way yeah. to handle this. So well, ingenious. Right. And it's good that it's paying off for them now. Yes. You know, so, you know, maybe now there will be more movies like that, you know, because yes. it's been successful. You know, yeah. That's for sure. Not to mention that it opens your eyes to exactly what's going on. Yeah. You know, but I, I can almost guarantee It'll never get any award at all. Yeah. Um, right? No, I don't it's think it will. Never. No, yeah. No. I recently saw Oppenheimer. Not even a nomination. Not even a no, probably nomination. No. no. I saw Oppenheimer recently. I don't, I don't, you probably wouldn't. I know my wife wouldn't like it. First of all, it's three hours long. Oh my God. I didn't know yeah, that. It's three hours. Yeah. And the trailers. Oh. I got to start showing up. Like if a movie starts at three o'clock, I got to walk in at 20 after three. <laughs> 25 minutes of these trailers. And, you know, that's not bad if the movie's only an hour and 45 minutes, but when the movie's three hours and then you got to tack on 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's going to win. That's going to win some awards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it yeah. didn't offend anybody. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. I know. Uh, you're, you're, you're going places that I want to go to, but maybe I won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, you know, there's a lot that needs to be done with this crisis. 
And I'm grateful that we brought a lot of it out. And I'm very grateful that you were able to join me today. I want yeah, to- no, I appreciate you having me. And I and I love what you're doing. Um, I think it's great. I think right. it's great. It helps a lot. It's gonna help a lot of people. And and this is, you know, we just gotta keep keep doing it. And you know, podcasts like yours is just I just can't thank you enough for having me on, but I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Ed. I'm yeah. so grateful that you were here. And yeah. Just... And I just wanna I wanna thank a couple integral people in um in our group. You know, we're on, like I said, we have 14,000 members, Fentanyl Awareness Coalition on Facebook. Um, but Andy Lee and Jean Tammy, um, these two girls are, they're the best. I mean, they're just warriors. I mean, they're just out there <laughs> every single day. They run circles around me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Sometimes I feel like Joe Biden, everyone else is doing the work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> No, not that that bad, but, uh, but yeah, no, I want to thank them. And, and, of, and of course, Michael, who who founded the group. And, you know, I just ask everyone to go to Facebook, Fentanyl Awareness Coalition, go to our page. And, uh, you know, it's good from an educational point of view. And you, you, and you hear these stories and it, it gets your attention. And you realize how serious the crisis is. And, um, you know, just remind everyone that the rally is on September 23rd. Uh, and there's going to be a march. I believe it starts somewhere around the mall and right to um, the White House. Yeah. And so it starts at 10 o'clock. It starts at 10 o'clock near the Washington Monument. And there's going to be a whole I, seven or eight speakers. Yes. Or so, and I think the march might start around, I don't know, one o'clock or so. Three. It, okay, so you know more about it. Than <laughs> I'm just going to show up. <laughs> Yes, around okay, three, right. everybody's going to march to the White House. I don't know yeah. if there's going to be anybody there to welcome them, but they're still going to yeah. be there. It'll be pretty loud. We actually had, okay, so the first, last year was the first big rally, but the previous year, we had a rally in front of the Chinese embassy. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, and then that was- wow. Uh, that would be yeah. great. How about the Mexican yeah. embassy? Well, that maybe next. I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but but this actually, there was some logistics problems um, with with the rally in front of the Chinese embassy. Two days before April was in charge of this, she gets a call, okay, from someone in government saying, you're not allowed to put up any like type of porta potties. They just pulled it from her. Oh, wow. Well, you have to have that. People need to go. This yeah. was not a march. This was like a sit-down type of rally thing. Okay. So they weren't happy when they found that when the administration found out we were doing it in front of the Chinese embassy, they were not happy about it. And they did everything possible to stop it. So that's that's where we're at. That's what we're dealing with. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think to myself, what goes around comes around. We'll see. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll look forward to seeing you at the rally. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm this excited. was a good, nice conversation that we had. And I, and I wish so. you luck. And I hope you're feeling okay now. Yes. Oh, good for you. Doing much oh, better. I thought Thank I was you. still alive. That's really good. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you because I just can't imagine what you, what, what you went through for a long time, right? Yeah. Over two years. Ugh. 
So just so my audience, if they don't know, I had had a, a major accident in 2009 when I flew off the back of a motorcycle. There was a kid who was on PCP and he cut in front of us and it took me a very long time. And I wore fentanyl patches to try to get my body back in order for the pain. These were legal uh, prescribed patches with fentanyl on them. And that's what Ed is alluding to. And at some point I had to withdraw myself from them. And that withdrawal took me 10 days and it wasn't nice and it wasn't pretty, but I'm grateful I did it and had to do it really because it was the only way I could know if my body was capable of functioning again. So I'm in good place now. I have pins everywhere. <laughs> and, and, and I, I praise the doctors who were able to do that for me. <laughs> And everybody told my parents I'd never walk again. And I was like, not having any of that. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. So anyway, it's been a long journey and that was a long time ago, but I'm grateful I'm still here. I'm grateful I've met all of you and that um, I can be a small part of your advocacy. So thank you again, Ed. And, and thank you, Mary. Nice okay. meeting you. And I'll see you September 23rd. Yes, right? you I'll see you at the meet and greet the night before. Yeah, the night before. You got it. <laughs> okay. God bless. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. God bless Bye. you too. Bye-bye.